What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here, dropping another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you today. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Doug Hazelman, Senior Vice President and Chief Evangelist at CoreView. Doug has been in the tech business longer than he wants to admit. And from consulting to general IT and finally to enterprise software, where he's spent the past 20 years, formerly with Veeam and MSP360, focusing on backup, Doug has left the world of backup and is now in the world of Microsoft 365 and general SaaS management at CoreView. So Gumbo listeners, Doug discusses how to keep your Microsoft 365 data secure and protected beyond what Microsoft provides out of the box, best practices on security and compliance, and tips on how to more efficiently manage your data, whether on-premises or in the cloud. So sit back and relax, and let's get right to it. Doug, how are you today? I am doing great. It's so good to talk to you again. It's been too long. It definitely has been too long. You are at a, a new company now, and I think you took some time off to travel around the world and rack up a, a huge AWS bill. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, no. So actually, I was at Veeam. I left there. I took some time off from there, and then I spent um, was almost two years at MSP360, which was formerly Cloudberry, which was in backup. And now, since the beginning of August, I am with CoreView. Yes, and that is why I have you on the show, is to talk a little bit about CoreView. So go, go ahead and tell us something about CoreView, and just give us some details around what your role is there. Sure. So CoreView, our whole thing is helping you to, well, they call it SaaS Mastered, uh, but it's really, um, if you know, everything is software as a service right now. And for any enterprise organization that has Microsoft 365 at the center of their SaaS environment, which a lot of companies do, and especially this right. year, <laughs> there's been quite an adoption mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with cloud technologies and those types of things. We, we help customers to um, first understand what everything is going on. So kind of from a, a visualization standpoint, to be able to just pull data out across all the different platforms that exist in 365, right? It's not just Azure Active Directory, it's also Exchange, it's SharePoint, it's Teams, it's, it's all the different services uh, that make up right, 365. Yeah. Um, and then we allow you to delegate uh, permissions. So think about it from a help desk perspective. You know, do you want to give your help desk global admin uh, to, your, to everything in your tenant? Of course not. Uh, so we allow you to um, not only delegate at a more granular level than what Microsoft allows natively, uh, but we also allow you to segment your Microsoft 365 environment or your Microsoft 365 tenant uh, through what we call virtual tenants. So where that works great mm -hmm. is if you have departments or offices, you can say, okay, everyone who belongs to this office is in this virtual tenant, and now you can manage those people, but just those people. Uh, so you, you you can't see anybody else in any other offices, but you can you can do management on those people. Um, and then the final thing is what we call automation, uh, which is which is workflow in, in general. And you know when you think about Microsoft administration, you, you, Microsoft provides you know admin centers and things like that to be able to manage the environment. But anytime you have to do something a little bit special or maybe pull some information out, they tell you to go to PowerShell. Nothing wrong with PowerShell except that it requires someone who knows PowerShell to write the script 
And then they probably have to run it because it requires elevated privileges in order to run PowerShell scripts. Uh, so with CoreView, we bake those into what we call custom actions, management actions, and workflows where you can chain them all together. So even if you are just a help, you know, just a help desk person, you have no permission to run PowerShell scripts across the, the tenant, but through a management action or even a workflow, you can execute it and it will then execute on your behalf, again, affecting only things you have access to um, and keeping it the permissions that, that, that have been set in mind as, as, as part of that as well. Okay, yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. So, so CoreView is basically all things Microsoft. So, that's that that's your 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 target customer persona is is, is Microsoft. So, well, Microsoft at the center because we also at the yeah center. we we also support other um, software as a service platforms. Uh, so we call it Core SaaS, but it connects to well over a hundred different SaaS platforms to pull in information across those things like licensing and users and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you have a consolidated view mm-hmm. of all of your software as a service. Got it. Yeah, I, I appreciate you providing some details about CoreView. That's that's pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. so uh, exactly how long have you been there? You hadn't been there a year yet, right? You're still, still fairly new? No, no. I, I just I just started in at the beginning of August okay. uh, this year. So. All right. <laughs> um, and and I've never met anyone that I work with in person uh, because obviously yes. we're we're in the middle of a pandemic. No one's traveling, so it's it's been everything right. over teams. I, I am in the same boat <laughs> as well. Started at Puppet and still have not met anyone in person. So mm-hmm. all the same thing, right? So um, <laughs> wow. let, let's talk a little bit about yep. Microsoft Office three six five, and I guess some of the challenges around keeping the data secure and protected beyond what's in the box, and also, what else is needed to, I guess, keep our listeners' data protected from your perspective? Yeah. So, what happens in 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 so many different areas, in so many different times, is you know you've you've got this environment, you need to manage it, and you you can't get granular enough to do what you need to be able to do. So you kind of open it up, and what happens is you end up having all these different global administrators. Um, you know, global administrator is is the highest permission you can have in Microsoft 365. It gives you access to everything in the tenant to be able to do anything. And mm-hmm. we go into companies and they'll have 10, 15 global operate, global admins. And if you look at Microsoft best practice, they say, you know, two, no more than four. Um, you know, for, for an organization, you know, over 5,000, over five, five to 6,000 users. And, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, and, and part of the visibility problem is people don't necessarily even know because they gave them global admin at one point and then kind of forgot about it. There are ways to check, but unless you're checking every day and looking at it, um, you know, you're, you're opening yourself up to, you know, potential issues. Uh, and it's, it's kind of the other, the other way around when you look at, you know, if an account get comp- gets compromised, even if it doesn't have global admin, it still has elevated privileges within the tenant. Um, and someone attacks, you know, Microsoft 365 or, you know, gets your password and username. Um, now they, they have that elevated mm-hmm. permission themselves and who knows, you know, what they can do. So with CoreView, right. we essentially, you can remove the native permissions um, in Microsoft 365 and do your permissions within CoreView. But at least if someone's Microsoft credentials get compromised, they don't have any admin, that, those credentials don't have any admin privileges within within the tenant. So that, that's kind of one way to look at it. The other area is some of the roles, the predefined roles that are available 
from Microsoft, um, they give you too many permissions. So it, it, it you know, if, if you want to be able to make modifications to someone's mailbox, that also gives you the permission to change mail routing. Not necessarily a good thing. Uh, so one of the things we do is our permission model is a bit different. We call it functional control. And you can actually delegate down to the individual attribute um, what you want people to be able to do. So if you want people to you know, only change one thing in the mailbox, one, one part of the mailbox on Exchange, you can do that. Yeah, and, it, and I guess that's very important right now because security and compliance is huge. It's all over the news now. Everyone's working from home, and you, you hear all of this talk about um, you know, people being able to compromise, you know, VPN networks and, and get access to the corporate network. And then you have ransomware and, and all of these things. So let, let's talk a little bit about security and compliance. So it, it's no mm -hmm. secret that data breaches and insider threats and, as I mentioned, ransomware attacks, all of those things are definitely on the rise in 2021. We're probably going to see several large organizations, Fortune 500 companies, hospitals, et cetera, they're all going to get get hacked and there's going to be some type of, you know, cyber uh, event or ransomware that happens to, to, to those companies, unfortunately. But what, what can, I guess, you provide the Gumbo listeners around, I guess, managing a large scale global O365 environment to maybe better secure and tighten the perimeter around their data. Yeah, so we, we it, it's a Microsoft term. It's called least privileged access. So you want to okay. give people the least amount of privilege that they need in order to do their jobs. Right, yeah. And, you know, for, for a normal user, that's not that difficult. But when it comes to having to make changes or doing any kind of administration, then you have to give them, adva uh, you know, advanced privileges and how wide-reaching and how far-reaching is that? And up until very recently, you know, from a Microsoft perspective, you could only apply those permissions at the top level of the tenant. So if you gave someone change password, they had change password capability across everyone in, in your Microsoft 365 environment. Um, they're introducing some new technologies to, to limit that, but, you know, it, it was still kind of, hey, Yes, you can change passwords, but guess what? You can change passwords for anyone. Yeah, um, they, they have privileged accounts now and, and, and things like that to, to kind of stop that from a global perspective, but they just didn't provide the, there was no granular capability to do that. And, you know, when, when we're talking about the amount of information that is stored in 365, because it's not just your username and password, right? It's, th that's part of it, but yeah. SharePoint. I mean, SharePoint Online, all the all the all your documents and everything are in there. Yeah. Microsoft Microsoft right. Teams, uh, wealth of information. You know, because again, that's that's a lot of it's based off SharePoint, and a lot of it goes to SharePoint. So you've got a lot of information there that that's shared. Um, you've got all the one, you know, the OneDrive, all the information stored there. So you can just see there's all this information that's stored. So you really want to lock it down as as much as you possibly can. There's there's not much you can do in terms of perimeter from a networking perspective because it's in the cloud and Microsoft is, you know, handles that. But if someone has access through credentials, then guess what? They can get in and, and do that. So you want to limit, you know, you really want to try to limit that. We're never going to stop users from clicking on links that they think are from the CEO or, you know, from somebody wanting money in Nigeria. But <laughs> the prince, it, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, 
the, the nice thing about going with cloud is Microsoft does take some of that responsibility on the infrastructure side, mm-hmm. right? They're, 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 it's, it's up to them to protect the perimeter. Um, it's up to them to, you know, protect kind of, you know, malicious activities and those types of things, but it's still up to the company and, and IT to protect the data and the credentials that, that are being stored there. Yeah, and also, I guess since, you know, software as a service, SaaS, you, you mentioned that as well, you know, it's it's a global thing, right? And as mm-hmm. far as, you know, running running systems and protecting data and just holding on to data, et cetera, so it's, it's all around the world. I guess from a compliance perspective, what's your recommendation from a GDPR perspective? Find tools that will help you to make sure that you stay in compliance. Okay. Because GDPR really is, you know, essentially about the data. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the backup vendors, <laughs> you know, they, they have a they have a GDPR story. With with CoreView, we don't do as much in terms of the data as much as the access to the data. Um, so, but you know, when it comes when it comes to those types of things, you want to make sure that you have something in place that is continuously scanning the data that you have stored, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud, so that you know if there's sensitive information stored in there. Um, if you get a request, you need to know where that data is. Is it is it on OneDrive? Is it in SharePoint? Is it on someone's local computer? Is it in the backups that have been taken for the last six months? Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's that's the scope of what you need to be able to do when it comes to these regulations is it's not just one thing it's multiple areas because this date because data as we know proliferates <laughs> and, it, right, um, yes. and, and people store it in the in these strangest places um, and of course if things aren't locked down you know especially when we're working from home you know they may be storing stuff in their personal dropbox and you know how do you how do you make sure that that that's handled so there are tools and and software out there to, to you know to to drive that compliance um, from a data perspective. And, and I highly recommend that people look into those. Yeah, compliance is just, it's so huge now. And there's so many rules and regulations and, you know, PII and, you know, in healthcare, HIPAA and financial services, Sarbanes-Oxley. And I, I probably could, could do an entire episode on like hundreds of different types of compliance and regulations, et cetera. That probably would make for a very boring show. <laughs> um, so I won't do that, but Let's talk a little bit about licensing. I've I've heard that there's some challenges that some O365 customers have around licensing and and I, I guess how can the Gumbo listeners better manage licensing and, and maybe also reduce their costs as well. Well, that's the interesting part is um, it's not always easy and it's not just Microsoft, it's other SaaS platforms as well to determine, not only determine who your licensed users are, um, who's licensed is, is, is fairly simple, but understanding how they're using the licenses that they have is typically another story. And you know, as I mentioned before, when it comes to 365, you know, you've got licenses that cover a multitude of services. So you know, if someone has licenses to everything, but when you actually look at their activity, and they're only using, you know, maybe three of the products. They're using Office, Exchange, and Teams, and that's all they're using. Why do they need this license that gives them access to 15 different applications and, and services? So that visibility part 
when it comes to licensing is really the key. Now, yes, you can probably figure out how to write PowerShell scripts to go across the multitude of Microsoft services to collect the audit data, to be able to pull it all together and, and format it somehow. I mean, it's going to take you a long time to write this script, and it's probably going to take a long time to run. What we do is we pull the, all of that data together for you. So it's, you know, we, we pull it across all the different Microsoft services, store it in a single location, and then when it comes to licensing, you can actually look and see what people are using or what they're not using. So, you know, that that's kind of the, the you know, the, the activity-based aspect mm -hmm. of it. But there's also the issue, you know, and we see this in public sector, you know, in, in state and local governments and in federal government, is you've got all these different departments. Now, at the top level, they may have negotiated an enterprise, an enterprise agreement, but, you know, without any kind of control, all the departments are starting to start gobble up, gobbling up all the licenses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, Parks and Rec may may have may have taken you know three hundred licenses and they only have a hundred people. How how did they do that? People leave the organization and the licenses don't get returned. So you end up with all of these licenses that aren't being used or being underutilized, and having that visibility you know into that is is a huge part, especially. When it comes to the fact that okay, it's time to re-up my my enterprise agreement, or if you're on a monthly contract, if you're on a cloud contract, then it's monthly. Understanding what your actual usage is for those licenses um, is is very difficult to find out, and obviously that's one of the areas where CoreView helps. Okay, awesome. In in gumbo fashion, you know, I like to jump around, so you just never know mm -hmm. what, what topic no I'm going to pull out of the hat. So you, you you mentioned workflows and automation earlier, and that's something that's near and dear to my heart now, since that's all I do and eat and breathe, um, you know, <laughs> scripts and, and Perl and Python. And, you know, how do you automate a hundred or a thousand systems to, to eliminate the toil of things that it, an administrator would actually do on their own from a manual perspective? So from a Microsoft 365 perspective, let's say there's a small... Mm -hmm. customer that is looking to, you know, get more into workflows and, you know, automating some of those tasks. What what, what advice would you would you give uh, give them around that? Well, it, it, any, you know, anytime we talk about workflow or even scripting in general, it's always, you know, what's a repetitive task that if done incorrectly could either cause issues or, or help you fall out of compliance. And that's where you want to either script it or put it into a workflow. And the, the biggest example um, that we use for workflow all the time is user provisioning and deprovisioning. Now, when you go to, you can go and create a user in 365, but, you know, do you, are, are, do you follow the naming standard correctly? Do you get manager approval before it's created? Do you get manager approval for the license type that, that you want to assign? Uh, you know, does it pre-provision their, their, their OneDrive so they, they have instant access to it? Does it create it in the cloud as well as on-prem in what we call a hybrid mode? Um, so that's kind of the provisioning aspect is you can enforce all of these different things. And by tying into other SaaS platforms, you can provision their account not just in 365, but you can provision it on other systems as well. Mm, okay. And where it becomes even more important is deprovisioning. Um, to just go into 365 and delete the user, guess what? That's not good enough. Not enough. Because yeah. <laughs> they have access to all these other systems. 
So right. that's another area where workflow comes in is, okay, this user has been, you know, this has left or been terminated, have a workflow that not only removes their licenses from 365 and, and deprovisions them or, or, or assigns their account to a manager, you know, whatever your, whatever your process is, but also goes out across all these other systems that they've been given access to um, and deprovision their accounts in those as well. So it's, you, you have to kind of, in, in the SaaS world, you have to consider that, yes, they may authenticate with 365, but they have accounts in all these other systems. And just deleting their 365 account may not delete their access to these other systems. And there's plenty of stories you know, in the news about users that didn't get deprovisioned correctly, came back six months later and deleted a thousand VMs out of the AWS account. Ooh, man, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> all right. So I, I guess few M365 shops are all on the cloud and must, I guess, manage both SaaS and on-premises office users. What, what advice would you give to our listeners that have to manage hybrid 0365 environments and how they can more efficiently manage their data? Yeah, and, and that's, that's going to be, you know, at, at some point the decision was made most likely starting with email to move, you know, everything to, you know, quote unquote, exchange online or office 365. Mm -hmm. um, but user management and authentication is still largely held on prem through, you know, domain controllers. And those domain controllers are synced to, you know, there's Microsoft provides Azure Active Directory sync. Um, and so you can still do some user management there, but then other management you get to do in the cloud and, you know, what you want to look for is a management interface like CoreView that does what we call hybrid. Mm -hmm. So you go into our interface, you know, if you've got hybrid enabled, you go into our interface, when you make a change, not only does it make it in the cloud, but it also initiates the change on-prem as well instantly instead of having to wait for that sync. Um, and it, and it, it keeps you in that single interface, whether you're creating a mailbox, creating a user, adding a user to a group, removing them from a group, whatever, you're all doing it within this single interface and it can affect change both in the cloud and on-prem. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty sweet tool, you know, what, what, what you have going on, because at the end of the day, it's all about making things simpler and easier. And if you have it in a nice looking UI, you know, that, that makes it all, all the much better, right? Yes. And, and one place to go. I moved. Mean, you know, the, the biggest laugh in IT is single pane of glass, right? Uh, I mean, we hear it all the time. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, you, if you use Microsoft Native Tools, there's 14, 15 panes of glass um, <laughs> across all of 365. Um, we try to bring that down into, into one. And we, we largely achieve that. And if you're managing 365 and you're just frustrated by having to flip between all these different admin centers, oh, I can't do this in here, I got to go over there. Uh, we, we try to bring that all into a single interface. There are a lot of storage and backup and recovery professionals that are out of work this year, just overall from the pandemic. And it's just been a hell of a year. So what advice, I guess, would you give to let's expand it right to anyone that's in the IT industry, right? Like if they're out of work, what advice would you give them to stay motivated and maybe gain some new skills or get noticed faster to get hired, hired quicker? What advice would you give them? Like you said, it's it's all about that continuing education. Um, with so much, so many things online now, it's you know if you're out of work, learn new skills. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of industries and areas that have been really hurt, especially 
you know, when I look at the managed service provider business and the MSPs that deal with small business and the small businesses that are, are no longer around or they closed, they had to change their business models. Um, there's a lot of managed service providers, small ones out there that are that are really hurting. And, you know, it's 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 tough for them because that was that's that was their business. And, you know, if the customers they're supporting are going out of business, then they're going to go out of business. So it, it's 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 a tough time uh, to be to be in IT, especially if you're independent. Uh, and again, it's, it's all about learning new skills and those types of things. But even with the environment that we're in, business hasn't stopped. Things haven't stopped. There is still work to be done in IT. It's just different than what it was before. Uh, again, with, with cloud technologies, um, we don't have to worry about you know going into an office to reboot a domain controller. <laughs> Uh, it's in the it's in the cloud, right? Uh, yeah. We just have to worry that Microsoft yeah. you know keeps it up and running. Uh, but you know, I, it, it, I think it's really you know we look at the rise of the use of Teams and Zoom and, and collaboration software. You know those are areas where you know if you can become an expert in Teams, um, you're going to be valuable to a company. If you can gain expertise in general collaboration software or SaaS, you know you're going to be valuable to to companies. So, you know, I think we've both proven you can get a job in the pandemic. You just have to be a little bit more resourceful maybe than, than what you had been before. And you have to understand that you're going to be working from home um, and, and not going into an office, but there's still tons of work to be done. It's just shifted a little bit. And if you're out of work, take the time to learn the new skills that are going to be moving forward you know, this has shifted so many priorities, in, especially in IT, from, hey, everything's fine. Yeah, we've got these projects, but they're not high priority. All of a sudden, these projects are number one priority because we got to get them done because everyone's working remotely. Um, and and it's, this, it's not just, you know, large organizations. It's, it's schools, too, right? I mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th there's all these new infrastructure requirements for, for schools, for public sector. I mean, it's just it's, it's kind of everywhere. There's all these new requirements. So, you know, my advice is if you're technically savvy, then you should be able to learn new technologies and learn those and put them to use in what we have going forward. Because, yes, you mentioned there is there is a vaccine, but it's probably not going to have widespread distribution until sometime late in 2021. Yeah, the, you know, you got you got to look at you know, hey, yeah, there's a vaccine, but there's you know, 300 million people yeah. that need it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Pfizer can't just create those uh, in a week. I agree. I agree. And and also, we are kind of wrapping up right now. The final question I have for you, it's going to be an easy one. I, I just want to see what's your prediction for 2021, whatever you want to talk about. Oh, you know, that's I, I I'm not always usually a fan of, of predictions. You know, I, I think most that's exactly why yeah, I, I, did I, know. It, uh, I mean, how many, how many people got 2020 right? Uh, <laughs> Nostradamus. Yeah, oh, did. did he? Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Well, let me peer into the crystal ball. Um, I, I think, I think 2021, you know, 2020 was disruptive in terms of what we all had to change in order to kind of support the quote unquote new normal. And so I think mm -hmm. 2021 is now we can take a breath and we can finally 
get everything working exactly the proper way that we that we want it to. We're going to go back. You know, we put band-aids on a lot of things in order to get them working, to get people back to work, back to school, whatever. Um, we're going to be able to start, you know, healing, so to speak, and going back and fixing things properly, yeah. taking off the band-aids and, you know, adjusting into what is now the new normal. We're going to see new technologies emerge. I don't know what they are, uh, but I... Uh, I I, oh come I, on, uh, give us, I, give us it's, one. It's it's hard it's hard to imagine, you know, <laughs> what what the new technologies are going to be. I would love, absolutely love it, if VR technology would would catch up, and you know, we could just throw on a Hololens, and it seems like we're sitting in a room having a meeting with everybody, and we, you know, or a data center, it's, or a data center, but it's you know, but it's a seamless experience um, compared to what we have now, where where we're you know talking to a screen and you know. Jenny's not on mute and, you know, there's a dog barking. Um, so, you know, I think all of these technologies are, right. are going to adapt and evolve to, to adjust to this, what we call the new normal. Well, all right. That, that was some sage advice from, from Doug, everyone. He didn't think he could do it, but he pulled it off and it sounds good to me. It's all BS. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right, Doug, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and um, coming on the gumbo to have a conversation with me and also just give our listeners some information about M365 and, you know, how to protect it, SaaS, security and compliance and, you know, all things cloudy, right? So thank you again. And I appreciate you. One more yeah. advice. Um, okay. I'm not in backup anymore, but just because your data is in the cloud doesn't mean you don't need to back it up. So I, you know, don't forget yes. that. Don't forget that. that that is a tweet. We should both tweet that right now. <laughs> it's still oh, your data. You need to protect one, it. One more thing. And before I let you go, is there any way on social media you would like any of the listeners to reach out to you, like LinkedIn or Twitter? So on Twitter, I am VM Doug. So V is in Victor, M is in Mary, D-O-U-G. Um, and LinkedIn, Doug Hazelman. Um, pretty easy to find on there as well. All right, Doug. Well, thank you for coming on the gumbo. I appreciate it. Thanks, Demetrius. Had a good time. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.